welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the 47th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron, and uh, specifically because I just read some really good news online about 20 minutes ago. I read that the Kansas City Chiefs have been named the official NFL team of Missouri. Really? Yes, by uh, Governor Mike Parson. Okay. So uh, he, that, Mike Parson's tweet yeah. says, For more than 50 years, the Kansas City Chiefs have played an important role in the, in the city and in our state. Today we signed a resolution designating the Kansas City Chiefs as the official NFL team of Missouri, ready for a great season. I thought it might be the Atlanta Falcons, but I'm glad they went with the Chiefs because that geographically uh, makes more sense. It does make a lot of sense, and... And then someone else later down in the thread says, what other teams were in contention? And he <laughs> responds, zero. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's really some really good news. And it's kind of just powering me through the day, just knowing that the Chiefs are going to be, are, are now, they weren't last year, but right. now they are the official team of Missouri. So well, but that everybody would, would the really players like will to know probably that. really like that. Yeah. And, but. I'm afraid it might add too much pressure on the players specifically for the upcoming season. Yeah, I didn't think about that angle, definitely. Knowing that they now represent the state of Missouri. It's a big honor. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, that great news aside, uh, we are having to record on a Tuesday, so this will be out two days earlier than normal because I am going on vacation. Really? Yes. Don't act surprised because we already talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we did off air <laughs> which means the conversation didn't exist right correct um but i'm taking a little trip to toronto canada and and you're driving yes you're driving i did i did uh get that it's not that big of a deal it'll be fine i'll drive a lot of it um my brother-in-law will drive some of it and my sister who's driving riding in the car with us is pregnant and we have to stop every two hours so that she can walk around so she doesn't get a blood clot. <laughs> so wow. that's a concern for pregnant women. I didn't realize that. I didn't either. So it might make our drive a little bit longer than normal, mm-hmm. but got to do what you got to do. Well, make sure you wear seat belts and go the speed limit. Definitely. Um, so yeah, this will be out a little bit earlier than normal. It's also going to be a little bit of a change up from our normal episodes just because, as we've said the last couple times, there's not a ton of news to be had this time of year. So we're going to switch it up and do what could potentially be the most fun uh, episode we've had because we are just going to talk about our favorite Mizzou moments. Good moments, that is. Yes. Like favorite as in like like good ones. Yeah, Mo- like positive memory yes. moments. Big moments, but good ones. Yes. Um, but before we get into all that fun, we do have a couple news items. The first being that Missouri got yet another... Uh, commit for the football team and it's a columbia native will norris who i understand is a linebacker he is yeah um kind of knew this would probably happen at some point uh but it's good to officially get him in the fold and uh yeah this is definitely not like it's kind of like an offensive lineman commit it's like you got you got to have these and they're really important but may not be like the most exciting news you've ever heard in your life but 
I also remember that being kind of the case with Cale Garrett. Right. And it's such an easy comparison to think of Will Norris to uh, Cale Garrett because they both play the inside linebacker position and they both kind of have that that similar build and like neither one, you know, jump off. skin tone. Uh, Also that. uh, (laughs) I wasn't going to say it, but (laughs) um, neither one of them jump off the charts as far as athleticism goes, but, you know, both are uh, really good prospects. <laughs> Great. Uh, speaking of another prospect. <laughs> Kale Garrett's not a prospect. <laughs> He's been playing for like four years. <laughs> okay. Speaking of prospects, Dante Manning uh, decommitted from Oklahoma. And there has been some buzz surrounding his name and maybe linking him to Missouri since he is a Missouri native. Um, any shot there, you think? I think so, yeah. Um, he's a cornerback from Raytown in the Kansas City area. Um, yeah, I definitely think Mizzou has a chance. He's been linked to a lot of different programs um, after he decommitted. But uh, I think one thing we have going for us is uh, Antonio Doyle, who is already on our commitment list, is uh, been pretty outward about getting Dante Manning to Mizzou. So maybe that's something we can count on. I don't know. I, I definitely think what we've got a shot, though. Yeah, he's. I was looking at the uh, 24-7 sports rankings for the state of Missouri specifically, and Manning is third um, in the state, mm-hmm. right above Doyle, who's fourth. Yeah. Um, and then I also did see that the number two player in the state, uh, Mookie Cooper, he committed to Ohio State yes, he did. just a couple of days ago. So uh, that was kind of sad, but I don't think... No surprise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dante Manning's a super talented kid, and just... I feel like we have struggled in the secondary for a while now, and it'd be nice to maybe have a player who could be a staple of our defense for for three or four years. Would be awesome. Yeah, sort of that um, EJ Gaines, yes, uh, uh, Penton mold yeah. of a guy that you just know is going to lock down his spot for several years. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we have a improved secondary this year. Yes. Uh, switching gears to basketball a little bit, uh, Mizzou had offered Jalen Johnson a while back. Uh, he's a top five guy in the class of 2020. He committed to Duke, which honestly, in my opinion, is great because I don't think he was ever coming to Missouri anyway. And I love to see the Dukes of the world get their guys early, um, especially when they've uh, considered offering some of the same guys as Missouri. So he doesn't really uh jalen johnson doesn't really overlap with uh cam fletcher so if duke missed on a few other guys they might eventually come calling uh for fletcher but um all the same i mean i want we want as mizzou fans we kind of want these top 10 guys to go to uh ucla duke north carolina specifically uh virginia it'd be nice if they snatched up a point guard um, and then that would leave some of these more mid-tier guys as far as like uh, four- and five-star prospects for Missouri to snatch up. But he's a really good player, and I can – I mean, he's just going to fall in line with some of the other recent one-and-dones at Duke. Yeah, that's a good point um, about some of these top programs getting their guys. Um Yeah, I mean, there's so many programs out there that are on some of these guys like Cameron and – uh, Caleb Love, but you know we always talk about committable committable offers. We don't really know. I, I would say probably Caleb Love. It could probably go anywhere he wanted to. But with uh, Cameron Fletcher, we don't really 
we don't really know exactly where he could go uh, and where he couldn't go at the moment. Right. So, yeah. um, but you know, if some of those top programs start missing on guys and like you said, uh, could be the wild belt of West for sure. Michigan state's another one that uh, we would love to see just grab a couple five-star guys. Yep. Um, speaking of Caleb love, I did notice when I was kind of looking at the rankings uh, regarding Jalen Johnson, he did uh, get bumped up to a five-star according to uh, 24 seven. So he's up to 25th nationally in the class of 2020. So that's really impressive. He yeah. would, um, you kind of have to take out uh, Michael Porter and Jonte when you're looking at like historic uh, commits to Missouri basketball. Take away those two guys, and Caleb Love is one of the top prospects. If if he were to come to Missouri, he would be one of the top prospects to ever okay. come to Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, it's not surprising to me that he got the fifth star. We've seen him play. We've seen his highlights. We've talked at length about how we feel about him. He's just an incredibly well-rounded, super talented prospect. And Fletcher comes in at 36th in the latest rankings. Um, I wanted to ask, have you caught any summer league games? Yes, uh, I watched the game of the Spurs against the Hornets yeah. that featured uh, Jordan Barnett versus Cassius Robertson. Uh, Robertson did not play, uh, but Barnett had a nice game. I think he had like 12 points and several rebounds. So, And then in another game, uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys saw the highlight of Barnett getting a nice dunk. So um, obviously you're going to have to perform night in and night out to uh, earn a spot on an NBA team, but Barnett's definitely represented himself well. Yeah, and this is not the first summer league that he um, has looked pretty good in. Yeah, I mean the Bucks last year, didn't yeah. he? And uh, he performed pretty well in that summer league as well. So, yeah, it, it just it seems like it always seems like a long shot for these guys that didn't get drafted to work their way onto an actual roster from the summer league. But at this point, for these type of players, getting a G League look you know, and securing a spot in the American professional system would be considered a win, I think. Mm -hmm, definitely. Um, one thing that I did notice that I wanted to mention was Taco Fall. Have you seen, uh, he's kind of blowing up the summer league. Really? Uh, so he was an undrafted free agent that got picked up by the Celtics. And apparently in Las Vegas at the summer league games, the crowds just love him. And he gets like almost a standing ovation every time he touches the ball. Wow. And he has, like the coach, the uh, summer league coach for the Celtics has said that they are like purposefully trying to get him touches because the crowd loves it so much. <laughs> really? Is yeah. he like actually good? Has yeah, he he's performing. Well? Like, yeah, he's uh, grabbing rebounds and nice. and throwing down dunks uh, when he gets it down low. So, Man, I'm going to be completely honest. When Mizzou's played uh, Central Florida in the last couple of years, like I've been watching Taco Fall and I'm just like, Man, I kind of love this guy. Oh, yeah. Like, he's so lovable. I yeah. don't know. Like, I just want, I just hope, I want him to succeed. You know, Definitely. he seems like such a nice guy. Yeah. And it, he backs that up in interviews, too, because I saw an interview with him just, and he was talking about how shocked he was at, like, the crowd reaction to him, but also that he, he loves it and it's such a blessing for him. And he's just going to work really hard. And yeah, he just seems like, I don't know, it seems like such a fan favorite, just one because of like how he plays and his size and the fact that he can dunk the ball and still be standing on the ground but yeah he just seems like a really likable player and i agree with you that it seems like we for some reason have i mean because mizzou has played him 
twice that we have this kind of like knowledge about him that the casual mm-hmm. basketball fan doesn't really yeah. as much but well he's a freaking six seven guy whose name is taco so i feel like seven six did i just say six seven yeah i'm an idiot i got dyslexia <laughs> seven six guy. i actually saw a photo with him uh standing next to six seven grant williams really who is also on the celtics and i don't know it's just funny there were so many pictures just saying this is did he look taco fall standing next to nba players did he look 11 inches taller yeah he is yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is uh it's it's honestly insane i I, it would be so crazy to uh to see him in person playing i feel like i've never been to an nba game but it would it, I'm sure watching it on TV does not do it justice. Like how just oh, it definitely doesn't. Freaks. Yeah, I've been to I've been to two NBA games and uh, most recently sat pretty close to the floor. And I remember a guy that you don't think about being like monstrously huge, Robin Lopez, when he played for the Bulls. Uh, he was warming up kind of right in front of us, and I was just like, "This is a massive human." I mean, he's like almost seven foot, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But you just don't. I mean, if you think about like who are some it's of the biggest guys in the NBA, it's like yeah. you don't think, oh, Robin Lopez, but he was massive. Yeah, and it's just like what they can do for how big they yeah. are. It's just unreal. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we did not get to see Michael Porter Jr. Uh, so far in the summer league. We won't see him at all. Uh, he sprained his knee in, I guess, practice uh, for the summer league. So we're still waiting. <laughs> unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, there was a new article that came out. Uh, I think it was with the undefeated um, where he was interviewed about his back injury. And did you happen to see any of that? Uh, It just came out recently and it was written by Mark Spears. So I checked that out. It's a free article on the undefeated, but one little nugget that I wanted to pull out of that was he was talking about his time at Mizzou and all and basically he he said that his back was bothering him since his sophomore year of high school wow and he first fell on it his junior year and then just played through it for basically two basketball seasons in high school and just went to quote different chiropractors and different therapists to try to help it get better but obviously that did not happen but it's just i don't know it, it almost raises more questions than it answers this this interview because like why wasn't that taken care of before yeah. things actually got serious right it's that part of it is kind of confusing like something that you would think could be i it it should have been identified a long time ago is what this article makes you think yeah but obviously there's a lot more going on than we'll ever know yeah but he just stays in the news stays in the news for, for all the weird reasons yes exactly. so I don't even know. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but what what are the chances that you know the Denver organization just decided we don't really want him playing in the summer league and we, they just kind of like made something up? Yeah, I mean, it's possible that they could see in practice everything that they could want to know from summer league yeah. um, and just say, let's not risk it. Yeah. I mean, as a person who wants him to succeed at the highest levels possible, I hope that that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that they have been watching him in practice and thought, we like what we see, let's not even worry about it, mm-hmm. and just sit him out. But I feel at like the same time, is... I, I don't feel like there would be much pushback if they just said if they just said that. If they said, we like what we see in practice, we're going to not worry about playing him in the summer league. Yeah, We think he's good to go. 
Yeah. I feel like they wouldn't really be, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure they'd be avoiding a, a kind of a strange PR item if they just didn't play him because right. then there would be other concerns raised and yeah. people you know, making assumptions about other things maybe so that he's just not playing very well or something. So I'm not sure that by making up a lie that they really avoid any weird PR items. Right. So it's probably, he probably really did tweak his knee and I don't know that. I mean, I guess it's luckily he's nothing worse than that. Hopefully yeah. his I back's mean, they doing said that fine. They said that he'll be fine and be ready for, um, training camp and all that stuff so all right um but the article does go into more about the his draft process and his first year uh sitting out for the nuggets so some some cool information there but i think that's all the news i have and we can uh get to some fun stuff and oh yeah one more thing i want to say uh Uh, sec media days is going to happen before the next time we record so we'll recap any uh anything that happens from there i I don't know we might get a depth chart or we might get some some funny quotes from different players i don't even know who they're going to be sending yet but that's always kind of a slightly amusing event uh talking season just to see what everybody's throwing out there um and as far as football recruiting goes uh obviously they've been on a on a hot streak lately and honestly i don't really see that ending um in the next month or so i think we're still going to get some more commits and stuff so be watching twitter as you guys probably already do because i'm sure we are going to be seeing some more good news soon i think we could actually today at some point as well so that's i'm kind of checking twitter as we're recording because nice. we'll I, break some news <laughs> we'll break some news that people will we'll listen, read to them uh, read to as i just said listen to tomorrow yeah exactly they'll read to it they could read it <laughs> i'll post a transcript um okay so let's get into these favorite mizzou moments now i have a little list here of mine and I just went chronologically. So do we want to try to rank these or just go through it chronologically, then rank them? Or... Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. So the first Mizzou moment that I would consider one of my all-time favorites was from 2007. And it can be identified simply as Saad Reesing. And probably immediately all of our listeners will be able to picture that mm-hmm. blue helmet with that piece of grass stuck in it. I usually see that picture surface somewhere on the internet almost on a monthly basis still yeah. over 10 years later. It's such a fantastic image and one that Mizzou fans will be able to smile about forever. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of that season. That was uh, Chase Daniels uh, junior season uh, when he was a Heisman finalist and they just had a spectacular team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were 10-1 and one when, uh, and they were ranked third in the BCS. And they were going into a matchup in Kansas City with then number two Kansas. So there was a lot at stake. This was for the Big 12 North division title. So the winner of this was going to go to the Big 12 championship game. The winner of this potentially was going to be the number one team in the country because you're facing another top three team. And Missouri basically dominated this game for three quarters. Um, Kansas did mount a comeback, though, and they were at one point down by six with the ball under a minute left. So they were going to have to kind of pull off a miracle, but they had the ball one score game. You know, if they if they somehow pull it off and score a touchdown, they could potentially win this game in the last minute. But. The Missouri defense forced a safety, and uh, 
KU quarterback Todd Reesing went down in his own end zone, got a face full of turf, full of grass at Arrowhead Stadium, and came back up with that grass in his face mask. And <laughs> Missouri won the game and went on to play Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. And that was one of the moments that just that season, that whole season, I'm cheating because it's a moment, but that whole season was just something that really brought me into Mizzou football. And I was just like, holy cow, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. And that team was so likable with, and they had that underdog status the whole year until they just blew up and skyrocketed to like top five in the country. So really fun to watch and that moment in particular beating kansas in kansas city and getting that safety with that just picture perfect image mm-hmm. that's just easily one of my all-time favorites yeah definitely this has to be on the list and uh, i mean as far as guys like us we're pretty young so there's that's for me that's about as far back as i can remember yeah, honestly for, sure. for a lot of mizzou stuff but i, I mean um, i remember brad smith yeah i remember you know, other things but yeah. this is really the first like kind of meaningful thing where i think i was in seventh grade and i remember everybody talking about it the next day at school and everything. And, um, that you're right. I mean, that's kind of something that made me feel proud to live in Missouri. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is like our team. And, mm-hmm. um, I remember going to a football game the next year, um, in 2008 and seeing Mizzou play against Nevada and Colin Kaepernick, interestingly enough. But, um, yeah, that was kind of one of the first things where I was like really, you know, prideful of of who mizzou was and and they that they represented our state yeah i think it was that year that i I think for the big 12 championship game um i actually my family we we had a little party just the family though and we made cookies in the shape of jerseys and then we uh, iced them in mizzou colors and then we put the names on the back of in the numbers of or maybe probably not the names just the numbers of some of the uh, main players on the team and so the what I was going to do was I was going to eat the cookie of the player when they scored a touchdown or in uh, Jeff Wolford's case kicked a field goal <laughs> and that game against Oklahoma did not go well and most of the cookies did not get you eaten. didn't get to eat very many cookies <laughs> no <laughs> it was very sad and also um you'll see that that's kind of a trend in these favorite Mizzou moments is that they were really, really great. And then what immediately followed in every case, except one was not like the worst, but Mm -hmm. what directly followed was kind of the worst in every situation. So we'll just focus on the highlights. That's kind of a good point that I honestly had not thought about. We will have to touch on what immediately followed all of these moments like triumphs usually came right before a terrible event yeah and they were just all of these triumphs were just like one little step away from like history basically mizzou history Mm -hmm. so that was 2007 um you ready to move on to the next one i sure am switching gears to basketball i just have the whole march run of the basketball team in 2009. So this was the team led by Damari Carroll, who just got picked up by the San Antonio Spurs. Um, Damari Carroll, Leo Lyons, Matt Lawrence, JT Tiller, Zaire Taylor, and a freshman trio you may have heard of in Lawrence Bowers, Kim English, and Marcus Denman. I've heard of them. So 
that run, the, the March run that I'm calling this moment, uh, started with the Big 12 tournament where they beat Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Baylor, and that secured their first ever Big 12 tournament championship. And then they were the three seed in the NCAA tournament, and they defeated number 14 seed Cornell, number six seed Marquette, and number two seed Memphis before losing to the one seed UConn uh, featuring Hashim Thabit, if you remember him. I do. He think, he was I'm pretty really sure he was drafted number two overall yeah. by the Memphis Grizzlies and then did nothing. Yeah, he was like a in the NBA. more skilled like taco fall of 2009 at least. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was such a memorable run. And um, I just remember small little things from, from that. And like watching the the first game against Cornell, I remember watching it on like the little TV in the corner of the room in like ninth grade or oh, something yeah. like in my <laughs> classroom and going home and finishing the game at home. And um, I actually went to on a vacation with my family to Las Vegas um, and we were like watching some of the games on TV, but obviously they... Uh, we were kind of watching like regional broadcasts. So sometimes we, you know, it would have to cut away to other regional games or something, but specifically uh, Marcus Denman's half court shot. Uh, we watched the whole first half, um, but I guess for whatever reason, they cut away from, you know, the last maybe 30 seconds of the, of the first half to go to a different game that was starting. And I remember just, I mean, I think it was even less than that. It was probably like five or 10 seconds. And I remember seeing like Mizzou score, and then when it switched the other game, it showed the Mizzou score up at the you know the top little scoreboard, and they had three more points than they did. <laughs> than they what, did five seconds like, ago. Yes, and I was like, what? And I get a call from a friend who's just like screaming on the phone, <laughs> and he's like, did you see that shot? And I had no idea what he was talking about because uh, I didn't see it. But man, what a special moment though. Um, just I feel like I've seen that a million times. Just in, yeah. of of him making, making that Mizzou shot. Montages. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a fun journey, definitely. And uh, man, I love Damari Carroll. He's like one of my favorite Mizzou players ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, and he took over some games during this run. Yeah, and he had that ability like that we haven't seen from very many Mizzou players ever mm-hmm. of just an ability to take over a game on both ends of the floor. Um, I think that Marquette game kind of gets overlooked because of the Memphis game. That Memphis game was amazing. I mean, uh, Memphis had Tyreek Evans, and they were obviously the favorite uh, because they were the two seed, and Missouri put up over 100 points on them yeah. and just ran them just to death. Was uh, was Calipari the coach then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Jimmy Butler was at Marquette too. I think oh, he was okay. a young Jimmy Butler at Marquette, you but might that, have to double check. My but that Marquette game uh, had a pretty crazy finish, where it Missouri like barely won that game, and they were helped a lot by a Marquette player stepping over the baseline on an inbounds pass that turned the ball over to Missouri and basically secured the win for them. Yeah. Um, but that was a. I just vaguely remember that. It's crazy. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy game. I'm looking up uh, Marquette's roster from back then. Was Buzz Williams the coach there then? Yes. So let's see here. Marquette had Wesley Matthews, who went on to play for uh, the Portland Trailblazers, and uh, sophomore Jimmy Butler. Yes, indeed. Definitely some some talented teams they uh, they rolled through for sure. Yeah, and losing to UConn, I mean. 
like getting to the elite eight that year was pretty spectacular especially you know as a three seed and you know that the seed was helped by the, them winning the big 12 tournament but this is not a team that we you know they weren't the number one seed in the big 12 you mm-hmm. know um yeah, I want to say like they were. I'm pretty season. sure they were third in the Big Twelve yeah. that year, and so going up against UConn, I kind of thought, yeah, I think maybe even UConn was the number one overall seed in the tournament, and I think they only lost by like it was eight close game. or so. Yeah, it was fairly. And close. they had a nice little comeback, and I uh, for some reason I remember in one of these games, uh, JT Tiller got hurt a little bit had to come out of the game and Kim English had to come in and shoot free throws for him. And he nailed two free throws as like a 70% career shooter. Whereas JT Tiller was like 83 or something. And I remember fans, um, kind of getting upset that this other guy got to come in and shoot those free throws. And I'm like, uh, they would have rather had Tiller shooting those free throws yeah. at like 83%. He made him. Yeah. And I remember, uh, another game i think it might have been the yukon game where kim english had a nice little like 8-0 run all by himself and kind of i mean he he had a good freshman season but that kind of clued me in that this guy is going to be pretty big for the next few years yeah there's so much talent on that team really across the board young young guys and old guys just it was a really really fun team to watch it's kind of just insane to think back and be like man all those guys are on one team yeah um they lost by seven to to yukon and UConn went on to lose to Michigan State in the Final Four. But yeah, Missouri was very close to its first ever Final Four. Well, I mean, who who was Missouri playing at the five uh, that year? I mean, was Carroll playing the four or five? Uh, yeah, Lions and Carroll kind of. And neither one of those guys are very bigs, big yeah. comparatively to Fabit, who was over seven feet tall. Oh, yeah. So it was just a terrible matchup Yeah. in that regard. Yeah, Lions is listed at 6'9". But he was, he was kind of like a... I mean, he would be a four most yeah. most of the time. So we kind of had a three and a four playing the four and the five. Mm-hmm. But it, that, that's part of what made him so fun to watch. Yeah, was they were really fast, played really good defense. All right. So uh, next one, I have is from 2012 and it is called Denman's Comeback. So we go from freshman Marcus Denman to senior Marcus Denman and this is from from February 4th when uh, Missouri played Kansas at home. It was the last it was the second to last time ever playing Kansas until the showdown for relief uh, at the start of the Conzo Martin era. But Missouri was for Missouri's standards, having a pretty historic season, and um, that was the reconciled by winning year where Denman and English were seniors, and uh, Lawrence Bowers was hurt, unfortunately, and Frank Haith was in his first season at Missouri. And this had been a kind of a back-and-forth game, uh, but then Kansas kind of pulled away at Missouri Arena. Missouri was down 71-63 to with two minutes left. And Marcus Denman already had 20 points at this time. And when, when Missouri had the ball, he converted an and one to cut the lead to five. Then after a defensive stop, uh, spoiler alert, Kansas does not score another point in the last two minutes. So Missouri's defense really turned it up. 
he came around a screen on their next possession, nailed a three to make it 71-69. Missouri got another stop. And then this next possession kind of just went – it looked like it was going to go off the rails because Denman was, like, ISOing at the top of the key. He, like, waved teammates away, like, I got this. He, but he didn't have anywhere to go. So he kind of dribbled to the side, did a, like, dribble handoff to, I think, Kim English, but I can't remember – and then he immediately got it back in the corner and nailed another three. Mm-hmm. Uh, they originally called it a two. Yeah, his foot was almost on the line. Yeah, for the tie. But then they went back and reviewed it and confirmed it was a three. Gave Missouri a one-point lead. And so that was a solo 9-0 run by Denman. And then um, Mike Dixon uh, hit some clutch free throws to seal the game. And they won at the, what at that point was... One of the bigger wins uh, for Mizzou basketball, especially with their last season in the uh, Big 12. Yeah. Now, uh, you do have to mention. Well, let's let's relish in the fun yeah, first. Well, before I know we, where you're going. Yeah, yeah. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. But yeah, I gotta agree. I mean, d- as far as just an individual individual effort, I don't know if I can think of anything more important and maybe more impressive than than what Denman did in the last two minutes of those games and of of that game and. Uh, it was so clear that, you know, throughout the whole year, everybody contributed and, and everybody played a role, but Denman was like, this is my team. And Talk about an undersized team. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And, uh, th- I mean, this is this is my opportunity to take over the game. It's just the confidence he showed, and it's just insane. And I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, honestly. Yeah, that but was so fun. I, I watched that with some friends um, in, my, in my now wife's basement, her parents' house <laughs> basement. Um, with some friends and we were kind of like sad you know with two minutes left we were like dang this is not going our way here the prior two minutes had been pretty bad for Mizzou and then just every shot you know it was it was something that a sports fan just dreams of where their team you know mounts a comeback like that where just every shot you're getting a little bit more excited and a little bit more excited until they actually do it yeah well i mean that's what makes those those moments so great is the adversity that comes before it because Mm -hmm. it just uh you know the the swing of emotions is what i feel like what makes those moments so great um but yeah i mean it seemed like there's so much riding on that season it was such a big game at that point and i mean we really felt like we were one of the best teams in the country and obviously so is kansas and they had so many players that i just couldn't stand like thomas robinson Some of those guys, man, I just can't stand them. Tyshawn Taylor. Yes, and I just guys that were really, really good players and wanted to beat them so bad, obviously, being Kansas. So, um, And just that whole year was probably the most fun I've ever had watching any team in any sport ever. Yeah. Like every game I was like making it an absolute priority. Like unless somebody died, I'm watching this game. And they won so many games. It was just such a fun Yeah season to watch them play yeah they I mean, literally won almost every game of the yeah. whole season and it just, i went and they to, destroyed people yeah. they won they beat people by like 30 points yeah. like conference opponents yeah i actually went i was just about to mention i went to the first conference game of that season oklahoma against oklahoma and they won by it was over 30 40 yeah, it might have been 40. 39 i think yeah and i got to see phil pressy throw an alley-oop to matt pressy like right in front of me yeah. on my end of the floor so yeah but getting a little bit off topic but that season just in general yeah i mean um, not only were were they good but they were just fun to watch had the chemistry they had and just the the way they played and they're smart and fast and it was just a lot of fun yeah i want to say that win pushed them into the top 
I think they were like top five mm-hmm. at that point. Um, honestly, they probably would have been the number one team in the country had they not lost to Oklahoma State like two weeks before. Mm-hmm. And they lost to Kansas State twice, I think, yeah. as well. I think those are their only three. Well, they lost four games because yeah. we're going to get to the <laughs> – we'll get to the fourth one. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, they had the win. They had it at Allen Fieldhouse, which just – you can't think of a more perfect way to ha- end your final season in the Big 12 than beating Kansas twice, winning the Big 12 regular season, which they would have if they if – they get both of those wins uh but kansas made a comeback of their own yeah, and well, we were up by like 17 at one yeah. point i think yeah uh, legitimately they, missouri was blowing them out in the first half yeah and kansas came back forced overtime missouri still should have won despite all that with uh, a random no call uh, with phil pressey driving the lane against uh, thomas robinson i'll i'll that image is yes. seared into my brain Same. as much as anything else Mizzou-related mm-hmm. of uh, Phil going up for that layup and just getting bodied by <laughs> Thomas Robinson. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it was going to be tough to recover in that game after something so blatantly, such a blatant missed call. When you're already... That was at the end of regulation, I think. That, right, it, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah so that forced You're already overtime. so aware of the kind of the myth if you want to say that yeah. um, about Kansas getting calls and on their own home court and that kind of stuff and then you witness something like that in such a big moment of such a big game it's like okay how do we recover from this so yeah that was that was an absolutely painful game like I mean it yeah. messed me up for a couple of days oh, yeah. like how, how invested I was in that season and how badly I hated Kansas and hate Kansas uh, it was man it was painful yeah, that would be. We've talked before about doing like uh, Mizzou what ifs, and that season in particular, uh, we, we might touch on the biggest what if, but um, I don't know. There's if a they, lot. If they win that game, they're probably a one seed. Oh, for sure. I mean, they lose. They lost four regular season games that year. They win any one of those four, they're probably a one seed. Yeah. I mean, that Oklahoma State loss, where I think Keaton Page just decided to go off um yeah that was pretty terrible kim, but kim english got totally posterized at maybe more than once in that game too i can't remember the guy's name uh, uh nash yeah lebrian nash yes so that's but that, was, that, was that i mean too. yeah oklahoma state was like a 90-ish kim pom team so that was probably a, a quadrant three yeah. loss it was on their home floor though yeah I gotta say this is incredibly off topic still kind of, but Keaton Page was pr- another one of those players that I was just like, God, I hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he played for like seven years at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah. So that I mean that was if we talk about like that 2009 season, similar to football, that was kind of like the coming out party for a lot of Mizzou fans, like you know that were aware of people our age were aware of the Quinn Snyder days. Like we knew who Quinn Snyder was. We knew that Mike Anderson was the new coach. And then to see this team just kind of come out of nowhere and have a just ridiculous run like that, that's very similar to that Chase Daniel led Mizzou football team that we already talked about. But then this 2012 basketball team is what just made me the fan that I am today, as far as just like, being totally. so invested in every player, knowing 
every player on the roster, even the walk-ons, knowing who we were recruiting and all that kind of stuff. Like 100%. I mean, that had started a couple years before. Like I, I remember, um, being really excited about the Phil Pressey commitment and his recruitment and stuff like that. And, uh, Tony Mitchell, uh, being a guy that I thought was going to come in and, uh, really play well for Missouri. But yeah, that, that 2012 team. And then what we're about to talk about with football, just, I don't know, those legend has it. Nobody's still seen Tony Mitchell for the last (laughs) like five years. I know. (laughs) And then uh, of course, uh, Missouri, uh, finished that season by losing to Norfolk state. And that, that does tie into the what if scenario though, if, if Missouri is a one seed, what could have been because even the what if is definitely not what if they beat Norfolk State because their path to a Final Four that year was brutal. Yeah. So even if they win that game, they still might have lost to Florida in the yeah, next round. Exactly. Now the real what if is what if they were a one seed. Yep. Um, but that is maybe a topic for another day. Yeah, another Saturday <laughs> today. <laughs> All right. So um, anything else about that season? Nope. Then let's go back to football because this next one, this next Mizzou moment, I got the pleasure of being in the stadium when it took place. And that was when Henry Josie sent Mizzou to the SEC championship game. This was um, in 2013, and Missouri was in their second season in the SEC, led by quarterback James Franklin and Henry Josie at running back and it came down to they needed to win again win at home against Texas A&M to get to the SEC championship game and it was a tie game Missouri was 10 and 1 on the season so far so they only lost up to that point was the overtime loss to South Carolina where uh Andrew Baggett doinked it off the upright (laughs) but that didn't even matter like in the long run no that's that would be like the worst Mizzou what if ever because they, they win that game. They're in the exact same situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was, a, and that game was against Johnny Manziel. He yeah. was a little bit hobbled. I remember that was kind of a storyline going into that game was Mizzou can clinch the East. Johnny Manziel can stop him. He's a little hobbled. Is he going to win the Heisman? I think that was after he had already won it. Yeah. His and first year, he completely blew up. And yeah. His second year, he was still really, really still good, good, but they weren't like world beaters. Like they were maybe his first year. Yeah. So um, in the fourth quarter, uh, with about three or four minutes left, it was tied 21-all, and Henry Josie broke a 57-yard touchdown run to make it 28-21 Mizzou, and they held on to win and then went on to play Auburn in the SEC championship game. And the crowd noise when he kind of hit that gap and took off was incredible. Like being there in that moment when he made that play, I actually have a a photo um, somewhere on an old digital camera of him kind of, I wouldn't, he didn't quite hurdle a guy, but he kind of made a Mm -hmm. jump through the, through the gap. And I've got a picture of it. I probably shouldn't look at it because it's not as good as I have it in my mind, (laughs) but I, I think I have a picture of him just like mid hurdle, um, splitting that gap. And then at the end of the game, the fans rushed the field and right it was, yeah it was really cool because so many emotions i mean went into that i mean first of all it's the it's a redemption moment for henry josie oh, after yeah. the the absolute uh just battle he, he had gone through with all with his knee injury and so i mean him making any return at all honestly was mm-hmm. was a plus 
And I remember seeing him score a touchdown, and maybe I think it was the first game of that season against Murray State, and that was a huge moment. Mm-hmm. But what he did in this game was truly like his his real redemption moment, and that is just it was so meaningful to see him be the one that like you know kind of won the game for him there, and uh, yeah, to beat Johnny Manziel and to, and to send him to the SEC championship and kind of that was such a just like prove the doubters wrong. I mean, oh yeah, we came into the SEC. And nobody thought we were going to do anything. And then had a terrible and, season, right. terrible first season in right. the SEC, injuries everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then cut, turn around and have one of Mizzou football's best seasons ever. And, I mean, talk about a fun season. Like, we talked about the, the 2012 Missouri basketball season. This yeah. this season was, you know, every bit as fun as well. I mean, just every week we were just destroying people. Yeah. And, man. I, I remember uh, they played Indiana that year on the road mm-hmm. and just destroyed them yeah i was and, like coney ely like oh yeah getting the almost point blank like pick six yep yeah yeah, yeah was, those those little plays so are will always be embedded in my in my memory i've watched so many highlight films of of that season there's just there there's so many plays yeah that was uh bud sasser throwing a touchdown to ladamian washington yep. i mean that was a massive play just to beat i saw uh recently it stuck in my brain, I guess. Georgia was ranked seventh, and we went in to Athens and beat them with a trick play with our backup quarterback. Yeah. And that kind of just told you how magical that season was going to be. Right. Yeah, Matty Mock came in and, and beat Florida in his first yes. game. Do you remember yes. uh beginning of that Florida game? We scored in like three plays. Yep. You know, I think it was, it was a touchdown pass. It might have been Sasser. two plays. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, wow, this is just, it was so fun. Yeah, and Mock just tore up Florida. That he game. did. And Florida was yeah. ranked too. Yeah. It was not a competitive game at all. No. Yeah, that was, that was an unbelievable year. It was so fun to watch James Franklin and Henry Josie especially. I mean, DGB, he scored a touchdown in this Texas A&M game. Yeah, I have to, uh, and then of course, it was followed by an unfortunate event against Auburn, but well, it was interesting that. Sorry, go ahead and finish. But well, I had a thought. I was just gonna say. I mean, but they, you know, they ended up capping the season off with a, a nice bowl win against Oklahoma State. And uh, honestly, I feel like an honorable mention maybe to to this list. It's not quite as you know a huge moment as some of these things were, but uh, Shane Ray picking up the scoop and score to, oh, yeah. to to seal the game. I mean, that about brings tears to my eyes watching <laughs> you know that on YouTube. Just, yeah, that was fantastic. That was just so so fun. But one thing that uh, was happening while the Mizzou game was happening was Auburn and Alabama playing the Iron Bowl and the uh, um, field goal yeah, return touchdown. I guess I forgot that. Uh, that was happening right then. Yeah. So that was when you talked about looking at the scores. So you sat, you were, you were at the Mizzou game yes. when that happened? Yes. Okay. So we were, so me and whatever random people I'd become friends with that were fans at the game, um, we were kind of watching the Alabama Auburn score mm-hmm. and knowing if Missouri wins this game, they're going to play the winner of that game and seeing that Auburn score go up like randomly at the end of the game. It was like, what just happened? With one second left. Yeah. It was like, what could have possibly just happened? TJ Yeldon runs out of bounds with one second left yeah. to set him up for a long field goal. And so that was like, and then we were trying like Auburn, Auburn beat Alabama. So, like, you're thinking as a Mizzou fan, yeah, you get to the SEC championship game, man, Alabama's tough. Like, yeah. that's going to be a struggle. But then Auburn's there? Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> maybe we have a shot. Yeah. Like, you got a legitimate shot. Right. 
but <laughs> and talk about a uh, that is a moment where it's kind of like one of the uh, one of those things where you always remember where you were when you when you saw that play or you heard about it's kind of like a like Michael Jackson's death like I will always remember where I was when I heard about that or you know 9-11 obviously that's a, right. a horrible example but um that, that honestly that's one of those sports moments where I'm like I will always remember what was going on like when I saw that happen and that was such a cool such a cool thing but unfortunately um Missouri had to uh face them at their most momentous moment <laughs> in their season probably yeah that sec championship game that i don't know that is one of the biggest missed opportunities in mizzou athletics history i think because you're literally you win that you go to the national championship game oh for sure and you play florida state Jameis winston yeah and i know i mean obviously they won the national title that year but that was not a team that was you know insanely scary right. I mean, if you think about if alabama was playing florida state everybody would have picked alabama like nobody would have picked florida state to beat alabama that year so uh the fact that it was auburn again was just like well florida state's got a pretty good shot here yeah missouri probably gave florida state the blueprint on uh, what not to do yeah. on defense yeah i couldn't believe that and just the missouri offense just kept scoring just kept keeping them in it but then uh really until the fourth quarter it was very competitive. Trey Mason? Yeah. Ran for literally like 400, 400 yards. yards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was pretty terrible. But it made for an exciting game. And I just – and you don't realize. Like, you look back at the highlights of that game, and Missouri had a lead. Yeah, like at late, late in that quarter. game. Yeah. yeah. And that uh, – one thing that I'll never forget about that game was um, uh, James Franklin hitting Doriel at the very end of the first half where you're like – uh, they might be able to get in the field goal range or something here. And then just all of a sudden he got behind the defense and they score a touchdown. And yeah. they're like, okay, it's like a one point game. At that was like something that just happened that season. Like all those big oh, yeah. wide receivers, big fast wide receivers. It was just like normal play turned into like a explosive touchdown. Yeah. I remember LaDamian Washington going for 99 yards yeah. against <laughs> South Carolina. That I feel like, uh, I always think of that DGB catch. Well, kind of catch in the Auburn game at the very beginning. I think it was our first score or maybe our first drive of the game. When James Franklin hit DGB in the back of the end zone, he was like diving for it. Oh, and yeah. I, I don't think he caught it, but they <laughs> gave it to us. But yeah, I mean, so many memorable moments within that season. But uh, yeah, I have to agree. Nothing really tops Henry Josie's uh, breakaway touchdown run in the A&M game. Yeah. And thank Storm goodness. Field. Yeah. Thank goodness we have the internet. We can go watch these plays again Pretty on little. YouTube. I might honestly do that like <laughs> after this. I mean, oh, I and I was kind of thinking of what I wanted my moments to be. I saw this. A YouTube video that was just like top Mizzou football plays of the last 10 years or something. I was like, okay, yeah, let's watch this. <laughs> I, I think I already had my list, but then, you know, a few of those being on there. Um, I think Henry Josie, I think that run was, was number, number two oh, and yeah. uh, the um, Todd Reesing eating grass or something was the title of the number one play. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to uh, forget the, the 2014 season either uh, when we obviously won another SEC East title and, uh, there was a lot of really fun moments in that season too. I think one that kind of comes to mind was, um, I think we were playing, I can't remember if it was home or away, but we were playing Tennessee and things were looking pretty bleak. And I remember, uh, uh, I shouldn't have brought this up without, with, uh, without having his name on the tip of my tongue, but uh, one of the Mizzou receivers like broke away for a massive like touchdown catch. Like he caught the ball and kind of shook the defender and, 
and ran. So was it? Uh, it was Jimmy Hunt. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And uh, I don't know. There was a lot of fun moments in that in that year too. Uh, but definitely, I feel like our defense was was probably the key to us winning that time. I feel like the offense wasn't. That quite was kind as of strong. a bizarre season. It really I was. I mean, the the East was kind of weak that year. Yeah. And I think, you know, Missouri being in the SEC championship game that year had a totally different feel to it because it was like. Did we deserve to be here? <laughs> yeah, they were. I think Missouri was ranked like 17th or something. Yeah. Uh, when they went and faced number one Alabama. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of bizarre. But one game, well, two games that really stand out from that season were getting absolutely destroyed by Georgia. Yeah. And that was a huge game. Like that was before we knew how weird the season was going to be. Yeah. Well, you know? we lost to Indiana before that. True. I was at that game. I was at that game as well. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, horrible. We talked about that. Absolutely terrible. Uh, yeah, that was awful. And that was like, okay, well, that'll be the the weird like South Carolina game from last year. Let's just run the table and, you know, be back in the SEC championship game. At least that's what an optimistic Mizzou fan was thinking. But then turn around and just get destroyed by Georgia, get shut out. It was the first time Missouri had been shut out in a long time. Yeah, it was like 34 to 0. Yeah. And then, but the on the flip side, the Florida game that year was super bizarre. Missouri scored oh, like yeah. an interception touchdown. We scored like 42 points. Yeah. With with like 100 like, yards of offense. Yeah, literally. I think they scored on like a punt return touchdown. Two a, of them maybe. Yeah, and a fumble return. Kickoff like return. Every time the defense was on the field, I would turn around and Missouri had scored somehow. Yeah. It was like Marcus Murphy had like three touchdowns and none of them were actually yeah. offensive touchdowns. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was an absolutely statistical, just wild yeah. game. And Florida's offense could do nothing. Yeah, they were They terrible. were just turning the ball over nonstop and sometimes for touchdowns. Yeah, we've actually kind of had Florida's numbers since we've yeah. gotten the SEC. But I don't mind that. Yeah. But, I mean, we, you and I were kind of talking about this briefly before the, the podcast we started recording, but, um, yeah, the Georgia game, I remember uh, having some – that was just an enormous game. I mean, it, again, obviously a huge football opponent in Georgia, but um, we had some really big basketball recruits <laughs> oh, yeah. on campus at the time, and – I think that might have been, you know, the beginning of the Kim Anderson era where we mm-hmm. didn't realize how horrible it was going to be. But um, there was still some hope. There was some hope, and we had a, an assistant coach uh, that was from Huntington Prep. Rob Fulford. Yeah, Rob Fulford. So he had some some connections, and we had some like top five, top ten caliber recruits on campus: uh, Antonio Bryant and Isaiah Briscoe, and there might have been another one. Uh, but I just remember that being such an absolute flop of a day, and it was like cold and rainy and. Yeah. everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong yeah i remember i remember watching now that indiana game and missouri had the lead in the fourth quarter just needed a stop and indiana just went down the field and scored yep who was and their running was back it. uh he plays for the falcons now yeah uh tevin coleman yes man he was good he was really good that game yeah uh, but missouri uh ended the season by beating arkansas and going to back-to-back SEC championship games. I remember uh, working at uh, Academy Sports at the time of that uh, of that game, and I remember it was like Black Friday, so I couldn't. I was like working because yeah. it was a retail job. I was working all day, and I was trying to avoid any Twitter notifications or anything about that game and going home and watching it later. But that was a great game too. But and then they uh, beat Minnesota in the Citrus Bowl, and Maddie Mock had that he steamrolled some dude at <laughs> the goal truck line. stick yeah. move and uh, yeah. Russell Hansborough had a long touchdown to like seal that game. Yeah, so definitely some uh, honorable mention moments for sure. Some some fun years of football, and uh, that was right before some pretty dark years in Mizzou football. But 
um, yeah, we had a lot of had a lot of fun moments in those couple of years. Yeah, and football and basketball didn't quite overlap. Like there was a couple of years difference, but they had similar kind of eras, like upswings and downswings. Mm-hmm. And fingers crossed, hopefully, it looks like we might be have you know stability yeah. in both sports. And you know, I think we would be especially football. I really think we could be heading into a memorable season for sure. And Obviously, there's going to be some, some ups and downs, but I think we could we could be talking about the season for a while. And long term, you know, just depends on the quarterback position. You know, as far as the future is concerned, yeah. we don't have to worry about this year. It doesn't seem like, but uh, long term, if they have a, a solution at quarterback, then yeah, we could be looking at a kind of an extended um, period of good times that might mirror, uh, you know, the prime of Gary Pinkle's season or tenure. One can only hope, and yeah. uh, likewise with basketball. Hopefully, Conzo Martin's got a you know a stable situation where he can bring in some some of his guys and land a few of these top recruits and just keep it rolling. Yep, I want to have more of these fun conversations in the future because not a whole lot of good stuff has happened in the last four to five years. No, yeah, there's not. I mean, as far as like big moments, I mean, there are a few like really cool things that happen, but as far as things that impacted winning seasons yeah and and just like mizzou history as a whole like going all the way back these are these are things that will be remembered forever because they marked some of the highest points in basketball and football in missouri's history Mm -hmm. so yeah it'd be really cool to get back to that those kind of high stakes situations definitely I think uh, I think that's that's all I got for the for the favorite moments. Yeah, that was fun uh, episode. Fun reminiscing. Yeah. I think I said the word fun about <laughs> eight thousand times this episode. It feels like cheating because like I don't know, this is the easiest talking I've ever done in my life. Like <laughs> Exactly. This if if you just like reminisced the whole time, I mean hopefully people like it, but yeah. It just it's well, I'm sure there's easy. some stuff we probably missed too. So if you think of uh, some fun things that happened or some memorable moments that we missed feel free to to mention those to us on twitter or or whatever it is yeah and obviously there were some big ones like before our time like yeah uh, first time beating nebraska in a million years that's going to be a lot of people's number one definitely Um, oh we forgot to rank them let's let's quickly rank them okay it was just actually going to be really difficult so i probably shouldn't have brought it up (laughs) uh all right what's your number four Number four is uh, the. <laughs> uh, they're also similar. I know they're also similar, and by no means is number four. Yeah, bad. bad. Right. Right. Uh, just the fact I, I can't separate these moments. What I'm gonna have to do to rank them is separate the moments from what followed directly after. And you should almost like pick one, the very best moment of this moment, sure. and maybe judge it against the rest. Okay. So I'm gonna. So I'm thinking like the actual sack to safety to to ice the game. Yes. Denman making that last three pointer and then confirming it as a three. Josie breaking that run, and then I'd have to say just the final buzzer of the Memphis game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. You could just you capping could use that like run. Just the NCAA tournament maybe yeah. as your moment there. I think for uh, me, Saad Reesing is my number four, but just because I was really young and I just don't have as clear of a memory of it as yeah. the other three, but definitely 
super influential moment in Mizzou football history. I'll have to agree. I'll put that as number four for the same reason. Plus, it was it was only the beginning. Like, right. I didn't have the you know the, the frame of reference. Right. I wasn't as emotionally invested at the time yeah. as I was these other ones. Yeah. Okay, you go ahead for number three. All right, number three. I haven't even like decided yet. I'm deciding it on the fly. Um, honestly, okay, I guess I'll go with uh, Denman's comeback, even though that season was my favorite season of anything I've ever watched. Uh, but that, that moment was, was truly just insane, just because of the swing of emotions. I'm going to go with the march uh, 2009 march run uh specifically that ncaa tournament uh, at number three i think kind of for the same reason as the 2007 football you just didn't really have the the history as a fan to and just being young in general to realize how big it was like i started to like by the time once missouri was playing uconn for the right to go to the final four that's when it kind of hit me how big this moment was and that was kind of when it took a downswing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that was still just some of the most fun basketball I can remember watching was mm-hmm. specifically them dropping 100 points on Memphis. Yeah. Yeah, my, I'll pick that as my number two. Was was their 2019 – or 2019, well, maybe. <laughs> 2009 run um, is just so much fun uh, seeing your team in the Elite Eight. I mean, that's just – that's an incredible accomplishment that – does not happen very often for right. Missouri. And yeah, I mean, it's just so cool to see them run through the, the, you know, one of the best events in sports in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, and just, uh, Marcus Denman's half court shot is oh, just yeah. such a great memory. So, so then I'm just going to flip those two basketball ones and I'll have Denman's come back at number two, um, for the same reasons. I mean, just, yeah, I can totally understand that. Yeah. This basketball at a high level is so fun. Yeah. And when it's the black and gold of Missouri, playing kansas it just doesn't get any better i agree so at so, least yeah. number one is henry josie yeah breaking that run and understandably for you especially to your number one because you're actually be. there had to be yeah uh and yeah just what that meant winning the sec east right after joining the sec i mean within a two years of joining mm-hmm. and beating johnny manzel and uh like we mentioned earlier and, and henry josie's redemption moment that's just I, I i don't know if i could draw it up any more special than than how that went and as close as Missouri, I mean, you may if we go back many, many years, somebody could probably point out a time that they were in a similar situation. But uh, as close as Missouri has ever been to playing in a national championship in football. Yeah. I mean, just a quarter away, yeah. even yeah. maybe even a little less. And just looking at the individual moment in that game where, you know, still it was tied, I think, 21 mm-hmm. all at that point. And yeah. it was in the fourth quarter. And just seeing – uh, just seeing Josie explode out of the gap. That's a just, long run. I mean, 57 yards. Man, so cool. Yeah. And that offensive line was absolutely stacked yeah. at that time. The I whole think offense the, A lot of general. those guys are in the NFL now, yeah. almost the whole offensive line. But a lot of fun memories. Hope yeah. we were about to create some more. Yeah, but that'll be number one for me for probably forever, <laughs> especially since I was there. Yeah. Doesn't get much better than that. Can't blame you. Right, well, I think that's it for this week. I think that does it. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know um, if you just if you think these are all some of your favorite moments as well. Maybe rank them and, 
if you have a reason that one of these means more to you let us know um, and drop us a, a review on iTunes if you can and you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08 thank you everyone for listening this was a lot of fun we'll, uh, maybe we won't have much news next time and we can come up with another fun segment idea but uh, until then uh, we will see you in two weeks <laughs>